0: Are you ready to unlock the long-term potential of human capital? I'm Dr. Michelle Epler, and this is the Human Capital Lab Podcast. Companies spend a considerable amount of money on L&D, upwards to 1,300 per worker. As businesses are experiencing the great resignation, with many employees leaving the labor force, Companies need to understand the impact of their L&D spend more than ever before. Joining us to dive into this really relevant topic is David Vance, Executive Director for the Center for Talent Reporting, which helps learning officers understand learning impact measurement. David is also the former president of Caterpillar University where he worked to ensure the right education and training were in place to meet the needs of Caterpillar's 97,000-plus employees. Dave, how did you get started with Caterpillar?
1: Well, Michelle, interesting story. You know, I was the chief economist and head of the business intelligence unit at Caterpillar when I got a call one day to go visit the, the head of HR. And he said, we're starting a corporate university. And I said, what is that? He said, we've had a team working on it for the last six months. We want to really improve the learning we do at Caterpillar, be a world leader in it. And I said, well, you know, I have no background in corporate training. They said, you'll be fine. So that is how I got into the corporate training space. And I really love the field. There's great people in the field and great opportunity to really grow in this field and to improve. So someone like me could bring a business background to it. And that is right up the alley of measurement and impact of aligning learning to the business. So right from the beginning, I was always focused on how can we help Caterpillar succeed? What could we do different? How can we bring business acumen and measurement to the field of corporate training?
0: Well, thank you, Dave. I'm really looking forward to our talk. Recently at the CTR conference, we discussed the impact of learning and development leaders measuring their learning interventions. And my panel in which I shared our recent study about the state of corporate learning measurement got some definite reaction. From our Q2 2021 survey, out of the 414 participants we had, 37% shared that they did not measure and for one of our first conversations for this podcast, I knew I needed to chat more with you to discuss these findings and to let you share your expertise as to why now more than ever, measuring impact of our learning interventions is so crucial.
1: Well, Michelle, happy to be here and glad to be on the first podcast, especially to talk about a topic dear to my heart. And you're right. I think your research confirmed what a lot of us have been hearing that everyone does not measure impact. And it was interesting to see the reasons for it. I think in your research, the greatest reason for not measuring impact today was lack of expertise. We had a feeling that it was probably that. But I think that was a very telling reason because it is so important. I think more than ever, CEOs, CFOs want to know what kind of return can you expect from your investment in learning? And I would hope that even those within a learning department would always be asking that question. So how can we do better? How much impact are we having? And I think people would find if they start measuring impact, one, they'll be surprised often by how little impact their programs are having. That's the bad news. But the good news is if you do start measuring and you follow a not-too-difficult plan, you can really improve the impact that you can have on programs. And I think that's what we should all hold out as our hope and our mission to do a better job in that area.
0: Oh, I absolutely agree. You know, when I'm often attending different meetings with chief learning officers, those that aren't measuring right now don't even really know where to start. And I thought it might be helpful if you could share how you got started and maybe use your Caterpillar example.
1: Well, I think, although this is going to sound really simple, you just need to actually get started. And so when a lot of people say, oh, that's just too complicated. I don't think we could do that. Well, Jack and Patty Phillips have given us uh, a lot of ways to do that. And one is a control group, and that's not that hard to use. But you don't need to have a PhD in statistics to do a control group. They do suggest using regression that would require statistics. But that's only one of the five avenues to figuring out what impact is. The most widely used method to actually get at impact is to ask the participants. So simply ask them two questions. Mm. How much of an impact do you think this learning had on meeting the goal? And how confident are you in that estimate and multiply the two together for what is called a confidence-adjusted isolated impact? that anybody can do. And most people are already doing a survey after the course where you get the level one feedback. All you have to do is add two more questions to that. Just add them to that post-event survey. That's all you need to do. So there's really no excuse these days for people saying, oh, it's too hard. I can't do it. We don't have a data scientist. Our goal is just to make people feel that this is not impossible, that they just need to get started.
0: I absolutely agree. We started
1: by focusing on the highest priority goals of our CEO. So when you're talking about program measurement, why not start with the programs that directly align with the most important goals of your organization? So at Caterpillar, for instance, increasing sales was always our number one goal. We had other goals about increasing productivity, reducing injuries. So we asked the CEO what his top seven goals were for the coming year. And then we aligned our learning to those goals, which in most cases forced us to create brand new programs to better support those goals rather than just pulling something from the library. So once we had identified what the most important programs are, that's where we wanted to make sure that we were doing a good job measuring because we wanted to be able to say at the end of the year, look, we have helped the company achieve the sales goal. We have helped the company reduce entries. We have helped the company increase productivity. And here's a measure of learning's impact on that. So I think if you want to be a strategic business partner, you've got to first focus on your senior leaders. And then as you design your programs for them, design a measurement strategy, Now a Caterpillar, we wanted to start measuring from day one. And I also think this makes it easier in the long run. So once we had those programs identified, we set up in advance the types of reports we would be using every month. So we knew we wanted to look at as we went through the year. And for each of those programs, after getting an idea with the goal owner, like the head of sales, about what impact learning could have, We wanted to agree on a target. We wanted to target, for example, a a 20% contribution to increasing sales by 10%. That would mean that the isolated impact of learning might be a 2% increase in sales. Okay, it sounds great. Now, what would you have to do to make that happen? How many participants have to go through that? When would they have to complete that? What levels of level one, level two, and level three do you want to see, especially application? If you want to have high impact, you have to have high application. So we set targets out for the key efficiency and the key effectiveness measures that would contribute to achieving the outcome we had agreed upon with the goal owner. And that's what we measured every month through the year, building up to delivering the outcome by the end of the year. Because I wanted to know every month how we're doing. Are we reaching the number of participants we agreed we would have to reach? Were we having the rate of application back on the job that we had agreed we would have to reach to have the high impact? So that set us up for management throughout the year and success so that at the end of the year, we could do the look back study then and ask, what did the impact turn out to be? How did that compare to the plan we had?
0: Yes. And many times we also hear the comments of, well, I don't really have access, but I've always believed in managing your message. And there's more than one way to secure that information, to build a network in a way that will allow you to secure that access. So when you hear people telling you that, what are your coaching methods that you use to to tell them it's it, it actually is possible to get what you need?
1: Yeah, well, don't wait for an invitation. So get the CLO involved, task this to your CLO, and your CLO should talk to your CEO at the beginning of the year to find out what their goals are for the coming year and who the goal owners or stakeholders are going to be. And then Caterpillar, my next discussion was with each goal owner. So I simply called them up and I said I wanted to set up an appointment. And this is before the fiscal year began, so part of the business planning process. And the reason for the meeting is for us to sit down and decide whether learning has a role to play in helping you accomplish your goal. And if so, what do we need to do to jointly accomplish that? That gets you the access. And frankly, I can't imagine a senior leader like a head of sales refusing a meeting to talk about how learning could help them accomplish their goal. Now, what's important, and I think where self-measurement people go wrong, is they're thinking of it as just a measurement exercise, and they're asking senior leaders for a favor. Like, would you grant me so I can tell you what I need from you to accomplish my measurement strategy? Well, they don't care about your measurement strategy. So you need to frame this the other way around. You have to clearly show the benefit to the goal owner. They're not doing it to help you. You are doing this to help them. And I think if you frame it that way, don't make it about a measurement strategy. Make it about what you're going to need to do to help them accomplish their goal.
0: Right. And I really think that, that that approach is going to help those that are having the yeah, but syndrome of not being able to find the pathway that they need to be able to give them some ideas and reconsider how they're asking for those meetings and how they're approaching it, because it they're all trying to move the business forward. And, you know, now more than ever, learning and development leaders need to step forward, measure and communicate their impact results before someone else does that for them. And you've been working on a project recently that is becoming a seriously pressing matter for L&D leaders. And this Security and Exchange Commission's recent re- release of new reporting regulations about L&D investments for publicly traded companies, is something that doesn't seem to be on a lot of chief learning officer. It's not really on their radars, I guess is the best way to put it. And given your advisory involvement as a subject matter expert, I would really like for you to give an overview of your work and these reporting regulations and what this could mean for learning and development leaders and how we have to take advantage of the time now to own, communicate our impact of the work that we're doing.
1: Well, Michelle, that's a great question and a very timely one too. So the Securities Exchange Commission, has come out with guidance. They came out with it, oh, more than a year ago now, for the first time, requiring publicly traded companies in the United States to disclose key human capital measures and to comment on human capital. And this is so important because human capital now is the primary driver of value in many organizations. And without this, investors are blind to what's going on with regard to human capital in an organization. So the SEC decided it was time to provide greater clarity to the investing public. Now, the path they chose was what we would describe as non-prescriptive. In the past, the SEC had laid out 12 areas where they wanted publicly traded companies to share information. Number of employees was the only one related to human capital. Others were to tell people about your products, where you get your raw materials from, whether seasonality exists in your business, things like that. But they had a list of 12. They recognized going forward, the world has become so complex. It would be nice to move away from prescriptive lists, And so they said, we're not going to give you a prescriptive list going ahead. We're going to tell you that you have to disclose whatever is material. That means if an investor would want to know information before they bought or sold a security, you should tell them that. You should be upfront and tell them what they would need to know. So a really different approach. And they combine that with saying for the first time, you have to disclose about human capital. Now you put those two together and I'm afraid what's happened in this past year or so is that organizations have met the requirement by adding a paragraph or two on human capital, where they say things like, we value our employees. They're our greatest asset. We believe in developing our employees and we have wonderful programs to do that. Well, this doesn't really help investors. This is all boilerplate PR type of disclosure. So very few companies, a disappointingly small number, actually began to share data. A few have. A few have begun sharing data on what they spend on learning. A few have begun to share their employee engagement scores. A few have begun to share employee retention rates. But most have not. Most have left it to to be very general. So what the SEC is in the process of doing right now is coming up with prescriptive guidance. They moved away from it. They've seen that didn't work. They're going to come back to it. And they're going to come up with a list of 10 or 15 items that they are going to demand companies start sharing publicly. So what this is going to mean is that organizations are going to have to make sure they have good human capital data because it's going to be disclosed. And the last thing any organization wants to do is disclose some data and then have to put out a public retraction a few months later or a revision. They would lose credibility. So right now, companies take great pains to make sure their revenue numbers are accurate, to make sure their expense numbers are accurate. They're going to need to take the same pain in the future to make sure that human capital data is good and is accurate because they're going to be sharing it publicly. So what this means is that we in HR and L&D, have a great opportunity here to ask for more resources. If you haven't been happy with the level of resource you've been getting been complaining about not getting enough budget and not getting enough people to produce the kind of data that you believe should be produced, use this as leverage going ahead to get the resources you need. The SEC indicated that they would expect all publicly traded companies to talk about attraction measures, to talk about development and to talk about retention measures. So development is one of the three they highlighted. And at a minimum, I believe when the SEC puts out this new list of 10 to 15 metrics, what you spend on training will be one of those 15. So as a starting point, you will need to share publicly what you spend in your organization on learning and development. That will include all that your, if you have a centralized training agency, like a Caterpillar University, all that they're spending, plus whatever you're spending in business units that wasn't controlled by a central learning group, plus what you spend on tuition reimbursement. So that would be your definition of total spending on talent.
0: So, Dave, when you think about this, for L&D leaders, what is the consequence or potential consequence of sitting back and just allowing the CFO to report this out for you?
1: Well, that would be a mistake because the CFO doesn't know the data. So I know in the past, the CFO has been the one pulling together your 10Q and 10K reports that come out quarterly and annually. And it made sense because most of that had to do with accounting and finance information. Now we're adding an element going forward about HR type of information. I would expect this to be given to the head of HR, and I would expect a good head of HR then to delegate part of that to the head of training. And I would think in addition to uh, cost for the training, I think you're going to want to share information about number of participants, number of participants who take ethics related training, because that's been very important to ISO. So I think that might get picked up as well. So I think you're going to want to go beyond just what you spend on training, although that may be the starting point. But shortly thereafter, I think you'll want to disclose about how many people are taking training, the hours in training, and probably some of the key areas that you're devoting training dollars to. And it's only going to grow from there. So view this as whatever the SEC comes out with, view it as a starting point. Certainly good organizations will share more and try to use it to their competitive advantage. You want to use it to attract and retain the best employees. So as long as you're required to start publicly disclosing what you spend, then why not count it in a way to make people want to come to work for your company? And once they're there to stay at your company
0: seems to me like a perfect opportunity for those who aren't to really start measuring and getting things moving because now they have two reasons, right? Not only the resources and and being able to demonstrate the value that they're bringing to the organization and those key performance indicators that they're businesses are trying to accomplish, but now if they're publicly traded, they have these SEC reporting regulations that are also nudging them towards the measurement. So when you're talking to people, share with us what you're hearing regarding how L&D leaders are rising or ignoring to the challenge and the consequences when they're not.
1: You know, like you said, unfortunately, not many are talking about it. So the question we need to ask is, are you prepared tomorrow? to disclose what you're spending on training and development as a starting point. And now most would have some information on that, but is it accurate enough? Is it good enough? Is it auditable that you would stand behind it? Just like you stand behind your revenue and expense figures that you release publicly. So when I talk to people, they say, well, yeah, I've got the cost data. And I think most people in a large organizations And maybe medium organizations would have a handle on that. People in a small to medium organization might not have a good handle on it, especially if it's somewhat dispersed. If you have people in different locations, there may not be anyone trying to pull all that information together. So I think there are going to be challenges. And I think when people look into this with an eye to sharing it publicly, what they felt was good enough may no longer be seen as being good enough, because there's just so much going on in an organization. If your learning isn't entirely centralized, if you have any kind of a federated structure, then you've got dollars being spent multiple locations. And do you have a good enough system to pull all that together and confirm that's actually what you're spending?
0: So this is a perfect time for us to discuss where our listeners could go to secure some additional information and learn more. And I always like to be able to create that bridge so that they know what's next or what I can do now that they've written their little post-it note down about, I need to look into this. And I know the Center for Talent Reporting has a large library of information and support. So Dave, would you like to give them an idea of where they might be able to start?
1: Sure. Yeah. We'd love you to, for you to come to our site to find out some of this information. The site is centerfortalentreporting.org with the four written out, F O R. So centerfortalentreporting.org. We're a, a nonprofit. We're here just to help the profession in areas like this, to meet these challenges and to improve measurement and reporting. So we've got a lot of information on our site about measurement in general. We have a very large measures library, but we also have information on the human capital reporting. If you listen to our webinars that we have about quarterly, we share all the references uh, there with you for the human capital reporting. So if you wanna look at the actual SEC uh, regulation, you can. A lot of work has been done by ISO, the International Organization for Standardization which has defined 60 measures they recommend for global use. And a lot of bodies like our SEC in the future are going to be referring more to those. So it does also represent a starting point for us. So there are, the good news is there's a lot that's been done and, and there are ready resources that you can find to help you
0: great thank you so much dave also bellevue university's human capital lab has resources such as our study the state of corporate learning measurement we also have a study on how to measure your learning interventions for those of you that are just kicking it off and uh, we also have quite a few other white papers and tools that can be found at human capital lab all one word dot org so i want to thank you david for joining us today and sharing your insights with our listeners. And we really appreciate you sharing your expertise and all of the wonderful information that's out there to help us all be more impactful learning leaders.
1: My pleasure, thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Human Capital Lab podcast, a growth network podcast production in collaboration with Bellevue University. For more about Bellevue University's Human Capital Lab, head to humancapitallab.org. If you were inspired today, pass the link on to a colleague or friend. Stay tuned for our next episode. And until then, keep learning to unlock the long-term potential of human capital.